his presence. I just am just so good. God is good. He's so good. Well, I am blessed to be able to just bring the word of the Lord this morning. It's such an honor and a privilege, and I I don't take it lightly. The responsibility is to just dive into what God is saying to us as a people and a church and to be able to just um, have the opportunity to speak that out. So um, I'm grateful, grateful to be able to do this, all right? So um, I'm going to continue our series of Life on Purpose, Life on Purpose. I believe that life can either happen to us or we make life happen for us. I believe that's a decision, and sometimes we don't have the life, we're not living the life we want because we're waiting for life to happen to us instead of making our life happen for us, and you were made for purpose. So I want to talk this morning about not quitting because we were not meant to quit. We were made to win. Amen? I'm going to read from Philippians 3, and I want to really quick just... um, have have you uh, have us realize that the book of Philippians, the, the church, when Paul's writing the, the book of Philippians, he's writing to the church at Philippi, right? That church was a mature church full of love and joy and mature in what God had for them. And so he's talking to a mature people. Can you say mature? I am mature. So I'm talking to you, okay? So um, I'm reading from the Passion Translation, so it's going to be on the screen behind me, um, so you can follow along up here. Philippians 3, 12 through 16. I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing, but I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. So let all who are fully mature have the same passion And if anyone is not yet gripped by these desires, God will will reveal it to them. And let us all advance together to reach this victory prize, following one path with one passion. Can we pray? Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for your people, and I pray as we hear your word, we will open our heart and open our ears so that your word would take take root and cause change and cause, cause us to become who you have made us in Jesus' name. Amen? So pretty much I want to sum, uh, summarize this scripture in this. What is our goal? Our goal is the abundance of God and to reach the purposes that God has called us to fulfill and wants us to discover. So as I, um, as I get to, to speak this morning, I want to break this down into three parts. And I, um, I love about once or twice a year I get to talk about the heart of our house, which is our core values. And, um, and I, I think we could do it more, but maybe you know once or twice a year is good enough. But we have three core values as a church. And the first one is encounter the presence of God. We are a house of his presence. His presence changes everything. And the first goal 
that we have in life is to be an abode of the presence of God and abide in his presence. Not just in our church services, but in our life, in every area of our life, we are to be a house of the presence of God. A few weeks ago, we had this moment with our kids in our living room, and, and you know, we have five children, and, and I, uh, we try really hard not to make them feel like pastor's kids, except sometimes when I have to remind them who they are when we go out someplace, you know. Um, but for the most part, we don't like, I don't make them do anything for God that they don't want to do. Um, because I think it's important that they learn to discover their own relationship with Jesus. But there was this moment we had in our living room, and it was just this powerful time and organic, and God just touched our living room with his presence. Because when you make space, God will invade it. When you make space, he just comes. It's like, oh, here you go. There's a seat at the table for me. Jesus is like, oh. Sometimes we're asking for God to do something, but we're not giving him the space to do it. So um, there's this, this really beautiful, if you read through Scripture, the way the Holy Spirit works with us, this, this partnering in our lives with the Holy Spirit. Now, you're a temple of God, so when you've received Jesus, he, he lives inside of you. But there is this moment when we're so indwelt with the Holy Spirit that it just kind of begins to fuzzle out and bubble out of us. See, the Holy Spirit inside of you is what is for you. The Holy Spirit inside of you convicts you, leads you, directs you, calls you into righteousness, all of those wonderful things that the Holy Spirit does for us. But when the Holy Spirit is so big on the inside, it just begins to bubble up on the outside. That outside, that's what's for everyone else. Sometimes we get so narcissistic in our culture, we think that Holy Spirit inside is enough, and we stop there. And something happens when we pursue the presence of God, and we, we continue to abide in his presence, and, and Holy Spirit begins to bubble up and bubble out and bubble over and, and just surround us. And that's when, in the, in, uh, in, in the book of Acts, when, when it was Peter's shadow that healed somebody. That's when the Holy Spirit is so big, it just goes outside of us and touches everything around us. See, that happens when we abide in the presence of God. I don't know about you, but I'd like my shadow to do some good stuff, right? I'd like to not even think about it and just good stuff happens. I'd like to not even worry about it and my kids listen. I'd like to not even say something and they make their beds. Jesus, let the Holy Spirit go beyond me so my kids make their bed without me asking. The miraculous. I also believe that um, as we find ourselves in the presence of God and the Holy Spirit abides inside of us, we're, we're given an appetite to change something. You know, in our discipleship groups, we always ask people, what do you feel you were called to do? What are the passions on the inside of you? What are the things you don't pass by? What are things that frustrate you or make you upset? Because you're probably called to do something about that. 
One of my passions personally is I long to see women rise up into who God has called them to be and release their sound to this generation and to the earth. I get frustrated when I see women who don't know who they are, they don't know their identity, and they walk timid or they don't, or they're, or they're too, they just don't know who they are, right? So my passion is to see women full of God released in their identity and their purpose and their calling in the earth. So that's my passion. And so I have an appetite for it. I have a hunger to see it. Um, I, I remember hearing my husband, he would tell me stories about when he, um, he used to work out with a bodybuilder. He was getting trained. And he would make himself, um, what did you say? Long time ago. Before me. And he would make himself two big bowls of oatmeal and a four-egg omelet just for breakfast and have huge lunch and huge dinner and then eat like two or three peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in between. I don't know about you, but breakfast should be like the whole, that's like a whole meal. That's all day, right? And so after, uh, at first he would have to force himself to eat that much food. But after a few weeks, he said he would wake up and hit, there was this pit in his stomach because he, he was so hungry because he grew an appetite for something that needed to be satisfied. See, sometimes we wake up without our appetite. Sometimes we go through life without an appetite to change anything because we've not fed what needs to be fed in our lives. Let me say it like this, and maybe you'll get it. Our appetites get destroyed from one or two thi- of one of two things. Number one, bad theology can destroy our appetite. Number two, and I want to talk about this for a minute, disappointment destroys our appetite. See, we... We wake up with an expectation, and then it doesn't happen, and we get disappointed, and then we don't wake up the next day anticipating that to happen. And we go through our life, and we've seen miracles, and we see things happen, and we see God move, and then all of a sudden we hit disappointment in the face, and we stop believing for God to move. And you say, but Rochelle, you don't understand. I've seen this, and I've seen that, and I've seen this, but... I I know the miracle of birth, but you don't know what my kids are doing. And let me say this. If there is a but or if there is disbelief or if there is disappointment and you're letting that be your appetite, you will not see the miraculous in your life. You won't see the supernatural. Because what God wants to do is remind you of his faithfulness. So that is your food. So your appetite is gratefulness and thankfulness and the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God. And so that when you wake up in the morning, you're expecting more than what you have in front of you. You don't understand. You know what I understand? I understand you're seeing your circumstances before you're seeing the miraculous things that God can do for you. But my kids aren't walking with the Lord, but the miracle of birth will tell me that my kids will glorify the Lord. See, if you see your circumstances, and that's your appetite, you'll miss out on what God has for you. But it's in his presence. It's in his presence where you find what you need to feed on. Because in his presence, he tells me who I am. He tells me his goodness. He reminds me of his faithfulness. And in that place, I can't quit. In that place, I have to run. In that place, there's nowhere to go. 
There's no place else but him. Amen? Number two, we encounter authentic community. That's our second um, core value of a church, encounter authentic community. You know, the first time I ever got to preach was, I don't even know how long ago, maybe eight years ago. Um, And Zach had took all the men of our church, and they went to a men's conference. And um, it was just, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this without you. And if you know us, if you know my husband and I, we work together. We live together. uh, We do everything together. And it's the only marriage I know on the planet that one of us is still alive and we're doing everything together. So we're, it's very unique like that. But it was, it was this stepping out for me to just kind of have to go out on my own and, and be okay with it. But it was the, the message I preached and I will live it or attempt to live it till I die is being transparent and living in authentic community. Because there's something about being who God made you to be that's much easier than trying to put on some facade. Because I'm busy being a mom of five kids, a wife to my husband, running this church, living my life, trying to transform the community. I'm too busy to be something that God never called me to be. I'm too busy to put up a mask on a Sunday morning. I'm too busy to pretend like I'm something that I'm not. I'm too busy. And hopefully you like me like that. (laughs) Because being authentic is the only place that God can heal. Because, you know, you look at the Old Testament, it's a shadow of the new, right? So in the Old Testament, they had to go through all of these um, different rituals to get into the Holy of Holies. And now we know the Holy of Holies resides inside us. But let me tell you this, there's something about the Holy of Holies that there is no fakeness allowed. Because it's the only place where there's this real mirror and you look how you really look. But that's where God can transform. And when we talk about community, this thing called community, you know, we have these really nice, beautiful expressions of it, you know, hosts and hostesses, and you come to my house and I'll, I'll serve you. And, and that's, a, that's an example of really good community. Or we go have coffee, that's good community. Um, or we have a Facebook community. I don't think that's real community. But what I think is real community is the Lord of the Rings. Bear with me for a minute as I put on my nerd hat. Um, I love the Lord of the Rings, the Hobbit, all of that stuff. I love every single one of them. Um, Just do. Judge me if you want. It's okay. Um, But, you know, J.R.R. Tolkien, who wrote it, was really good friends with um, C.S. Lewis. They actually went to school together, and they both of them are amazing writers. Um, So there's a lot of, you can see a lot of stuff in, in in the trilogy. But in... The Fellowship of the Ring, the first of the three Lord of the Rings, there's this moment where they have an opportunity to do what they're supposed to do. There's, there's this moment where there's, they have to say yes to a journey. And one by one, eight of them said yes to this journey. And the journey was, if I die, I'm going to get to my goal. If I have to, whatever I have to do, I will have the back of the person with me. And how many? Nine? There was nine. I, I said eight for two services, and nobody corrected me. Y'all need to brush up on your, you know, Lord of the Rings. 
So the nine of them said yes to one purpose, to one goal, to one agenda. I'll have your back no matter what. To me, that's what it looks like to have real fellowship. People I can surround myself with and said, even if our journey separates us for a season, even if we go our own ways for a moment, I'll know wherever you are, you have my back and I have yours. And I know that we're, we have one goal and one purpose in mind. There's a, comment, a commentator on the book of Philippians, and um, he said this about the Philippian church, and I want to say this as a declaration about Encounter Church, okay? They share deep love and affection even tears. We read of their imprisonment, the threat of death, great sacrifice, opposition, and their boldness. And it all was springing from the joyful reality of the gospel and toward the ultimate priority of the gospel spread throughout the world. Encounter Church, let that be our goal. That no matter what comes our way, no matter what circumstances come our way, no matter what we might face, that our goal, our one mind, our one heart is saying we are in this to see God do miraculous things in our community, to see the gospel of Jesus go beyond these four walls. We are in this to see God have his glory. Can you say amen? All right, number three. And I'm going to get you out of here before the next football game. Because I know, even though my team's not in the playoffs, some of you guys might have teams in the playoffs. Okay. You guys don't think I know this, but sometimes I do. All right. Number three is encounter your identity in Christ. When we know who we are, we know we were created to win. You were created to win. You were not created for defeat. You were not created to, be, an, uh, to over, be overcome by your circumstances. You were created to be an overcomer. You were created to win. You were created to finish. You were not created to, to throw in the towel early, to give up on your fight. You have been created to win. I think um, sometimes we, we devalue or diminish who we are by saying, oh, I know I'm a son, or I know I'm a daughter. When we're not walking in victory, we don't have a revelation of that because what we manifest is what our revelation is. And if we're not manifesting sonship, that is not our revelation at the moment. Sometimes we forget who we are. You know, there's times I'll go in public and my kids will forget who they are. Did you forget who you are? Did you forget who your mom is? You better act right. Not so much anymore. They're big and sweet. But sometimes, sometimes we forget who we are. Sometimes we forget that we are sons and daughters of God. You know, the, the Bible says that, that we are, there's a spirit of adoption. That we, have this, that we are to have the spirit of adoption. To me, that means I have five of the most beautiful, wonderful children on the planet. I love them. I love them. I love them. I will hurt you if you hurt them. You want to see my dark side? Try to talk to my children. You want to see mama bear rise up? Let's mess with my kids. But see, they were, they were given to me. 
They were given. I didn't, I didn't choose them. They were given to me. You were chosen. You were chosen by God to be adopted as his son and daughter. See, when the Bible says all creation is longing for the manifestations of the sons of God, what that means is as soon as you know who you are, creation will respond to your sonship. All creation is longing for the manifestations of the sons of God. All creation is waiting. The earth is crying out for God's children to know who they are and to rise to that reality. To rise to that reality. You were created to win. And you can't manifest what you don't have revelation of. You're a son. And you're a daughter. You're a son. You're a daughter. Adopted by God. As we close, I want to share something that happened a few weeks ago. Uh, oh, no, just one week ago at our women's, um, our women's meeting. And if you're not coming to our women's um, monthly meetings, they're every first Saturday from 10 to 12. God is just faithful and he just shows up every time. Um, just powerful moments in the presence of the Lord. And there was this time during worship, and um, I think it was Zach was singing, we lay, we lay down the weight of our burdens, and we pick up the weight of God's glory. We lay down the weight of the burdens of life, because life is not always perfect. Life is not always what we want it to be. We will face discouragement. You will face disappointment. What you do with it is what matters. What you do in the face of adversity is what determines who you are. Life is full of ups and downs and, and things and and you saying, I will not throw in the towel. I will not sit on the sidelines. I will rise up and be who God has called me to be. That is what it takes. That is the weight of the glory of God. See, when I know what I carry and I know what I've been called to do, I know I can't sit down. I know I won't back up. And the minute I try to, the minute I try to, I'm reminded, don't you know who you are? Come into my presence. And the Lord has let me remind you who I made you. The same way some of us mamas are like, come here, son. Come here, daughter. Sometimes it's fierce. Sometimes it's gentle. Let me remind you who you are. remind you who you are. I want to share this. I want us to say this together. Repeat after me. My portion is the presence. My portion is his promise. My portion is the power to live on purpose. You have been given all 
the authority of heaven and everything you need for life and godliness to live your life on purpose. Do you receive that this morning? Father, we receive the words that you speak over us. And in this moment, as we're in your presence, we receive the reminder that we are your sons and we are your daughters. We are called to live higher. We are called to live with purpose. We are called to finish. We are called not to quit. We are called to be strong and courageous. Because you are with us. And you are for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you say amen with me? All right. Well, I love you and I bless you. And I'm going to ask my prayer team to come up. And if you need prayer for anything or maybe you need to receive Jesus for the first time, maybe you're like, I don't, I don't even know what you're talking about, about having the Holy Spirit inside of you or, or living strong or be able, be able, being able to overcome my circumstances. I want you to receive the Lord this morning if you need to. Or if you need prayer for anything else, please come find one of these amazing team members. They're so anointed and amazing, powerful women and men of God. All right. Well, I love you. Be blessed. Have a beautiful Sunday. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we'll see you next week.